Hello, my name's Alex, and welcome to Alex Listens. This is a podcast about philosophy and politics and race and identity and mental health and that kind of stuff. Today, I'm going to be talking about something that is very relevant to me for a number of reasons. Firstly, because I guess it's deeply related to my own personal experience, but also because fortunately or unfortunately, I've decided to do an honors year in philosophy, and this is what my thesis is going to be on. Oh, well, partly. And I guess the main thing that I'm going to be talking about today is the relationship between meaning or experiences of meaningfulness and depression. But before I do anything like that, a few brief comments. First of all, if you're enjoying the podcast or anything like that, you should follow my Instagram page because that's where I'm most active and that's where you can I guess, keep abreast with all of the updates that I make. Um, My Instagram handle is at AlexListens, and obviously Alex is A-L-E-K-S, not A-L-E-X. AlexListens, one word. Uh, Otherwise, my website, which is www.alex.co, and there you can find links to stuff that I've written and other projects that I'm working on. I also made some caps, some thinking caps, some merch. So if you want to buy some merch, you can go on my website, although they're all sold out. Um, what else did I want to say? Oh, yeah. Um, if you're really enjoying the podcast, you can think about supporting it. You can support me and my projects through PayPal or through Patreon. There'll be links on my Instagram or on my website, and it's quite easy to to sign up and quite easy to give a few dollars every month and a big thank you to everyone uh, who has become a patron and who has given me some funds through PayPal because it's what allows me to afford to run this podcast anyway that's enough now time for the episode so Today, I wanted to talk about two things, uh, and they're two things that I've spoken about at great length um, in, in this podcast. I've done a bunch of episodes on depression, and I suppose a lot of my discussion discussions of depression have tried to make some contact with the question of meaningfulness and what constitutes meaning. And I guess it's... In philosophy, the question of meaning is very, very old question and an unanswerable question, really. Um, it's, as with many things in philosophy, uh, a lot of it comes down to um, it's what you're feeling at the time, which is pretty uh, unsatisfactory. Um, but there are some things that I will, I guess... I'll, I'll I'll begin by trying to frame my understanding of meaning um, and how this relates to depression. So I'm going to start by saying some things that some views that I don't really agree with. Um, They're pretty interesting, but I don't really like them too much. The first view or the first opinion of what constitutes meaning is an intellectualist one. And that sounds like a big and confusing word. But uh, really, it's just referring to, I guess, the idea that meaning emerges from the mental processing of things. And so really, meaning can only 
some we can only say something is meaningful or something has meaning when it is thought about in an appropriate way and if you've listened to my episode on Wittgenstein um, this might help you understand what I'm talking about uh, but if you haven't I did an episode on Wittgenstein it was my 61st episode and there I spoke about uh, the relationship between meaning and language and how you know kind of what the what the what the role or what the objective of interpretation is when it comes to understanding what someone else is saying so one of the the first view that I don't agree with is that meaning emerges from the correct interpretation of symbols, signs, words, communication, dialogue. And I guess it's it's a it's it's a pretty complete view because I guess it gives you a complete picture. So the person who believes this will say in order for something to make sense, in order for an experience to be meaningful, it has to come from a world or it has to come from an interpretation of a world that has happened properly and what does that mean that means that if you're driving down the street and you see a stop sign um, the correct interpretation of the stop sign would be that it's an instruction for you to stop and kind of evaluate the circumstances of the intersection and then decide whether or not it's safe for you to keep driving so that would, for the person who believes that meaning comes from proper interpretation, they would say that that is an experience that has meaning, that you have understood the correct meaning of the sign because you're following the stop sign's designated rules. You're stopping your car and you're looking around to make sure it's safe to continue driving. But where this falls apart for me is that, um, I guess there, there, are two, there are two things. The first thing is that you can you can imagine driving up to a stop sign and thinking that it's telling you to stop something else for example to stop and have like i don't know a brief moment of mindfulness or to stop and recognize the anxieties that are present in your life or to stop and think about someone you really care about and that could have the same effect or could manifest in the same outcome as stopping and evaluating uh, the kind of safeness of crossing the intersection. Because in that moment, you're still stopping and taking in the, your surroundings and having a brief moment to kind of pause and evaluate where you're at. And I guess it's it, it sounds pretty weird because I guess you'd hope that every time you got to an intersection and you stopped, you would really be taking having a long think about whether or not it's safe to cross but i guess what i'm hoping to point out here is that you can still stop at an intersection and cross it safely while being prompted to stop for different reasons um and that that sounds like a pretty measly that might sound like a pretty measly objection to that view by me um but fundamentally um, so I said I had two objections. So that's my first objection that I think the kind of practicality of that objection doesn't make sense because you can interpret signs incorrectly. You can interpret language incorrectly, but it still have it 
produce this the intended consequence in the world like the stop sign situation um and the second thing the second issue i have with that is that the interpretation of meaning in the intellectualist view suggests that meaning can only happen when you are correctly processing stimulus from the world uh and I guess that suggests that meaning is something that is embedded, that is absolutely and totally embedded in language and the kind of proper use of language. And while there is a lot of meaning that is embedded totally in language, I also think there is a lot of meaning that uh, is kind of pre-linguistic and just comes from kind of a gut, visceral embodied reaction to something for example you're listening to your favorite band and your favorite song comes on do you have a meaningful experience or when you do have a meaningful experience is it because you have correctly understood the words signs and symbols that the band are putting towards are kind of sending towards you in the, in the form of audio of sound waves and is that the thing that's producing meaning i really i really doubt that that's what it is i don't think it's a kind of correct interpretation of anything i think it's the kind of deeply embodied deeply physical deeply visceral and pre-linguistic reaction to something that for some non-linguistic reason is deeply resonating with i guess your sensibility your disposition um and yeah i I guess that's why i think this intellectualist view isn't very compelling because it just totally ignores meaning being something that isn't being produced by language um and I guess that music example, you can extend that to pretty much anything. So for anyone who has any kind of creative output, whether you draw or you paint or you sing or you play an instrument or you play a sport and you find those things meaningful, I don't. I think it would be pretty rare for someone to say, you know, I find playing tennis meaningful because of the kind of correct interpretation of you know the uh like shot that i tried to make or you know a kind of play that you had executed properly like i guess that that doesn't really feel it just feels like a very strange way of thinking about what's meaningful about those things um and i think trying to reduce something as as in uh, as difficult to understand as meaning to something that is kind of as logical and structured as the correct interpretation of language that really doesn't sound right to me so that's one view that meaning is comes from the kind of correct interpretation of stuff obviously i have my uh problems with that view um and now i'm going to try and present my own view 
Um, and then I'm going to talk about how all of this links to depression. So my own view is not perfectly formed. Um, and I guess I said earlier that I'm going to be doing my thesis. Well, I hope to do my thesis on addressing this question. And I guess initially, my, some of my initial thoughts are um, that... So there's one there's one way that you can think about meaning, and that is in terms of a, a simple and kind of age-old binary in philosophy, which is, are there objective things that are meaningful or is meaningful subjective? So what do I mean? And, and, you know, just to be totally honest, I think this is the least interesting way of thinking about what's meaningful. Um, but it's important because a lot of the discussion about meaning kind of tries to address, begins here. So the objective versus subjective divide. So some things you might say are objectively meaningful. And what do you mean by that? Maybe you believe that any kind of artistic endeavor, whether or not you enjoy doing it, is meaningful. Maybe because it has better, good consequences for the world, like... Uh, you know, maybe Picasso didn't have the best time painting, but think about all of the lives that Picasso has impacted. Or, you know, some of my favorite musicians were deeply um, troubled people and uh, were extremely depressed and had very uh, difficult and um, kind of tumultuous relationships with their music um, and maybe you know it would only be a fraction of the time that of their music making experience where they were having moments of kind of profound meaning but for me the listener um, you know it's a very different experience um, so yeah there's there's that view the objective view that some things are intrinsically meaningful and I guess the experience of whether or not you find them meaningful is irrelevant because there is just something that is meaningful about the thing that you're doing. So that's the objective the objective view. And then the subjective view is that meaning is authored by the individual. And well, I guess what does that mean? That means that if you have some really weird idiosyncratic preferences, like let's say, you know, you find stealing things from strangers extremely meaningful uh, and that that experience is only meaningful for you because presumably the person who you're stealing from doesn't find the kind of unsolicited theft of their own stuff meaningful um, then you know under the subjective view it doesn't matter whether or not person a has a meaningful experience of having their stuff stolen but if person b does the person who's doing the stealing then we should say that, you know, they've had a deeply meaningful life. And obviously that's an extremely oversimplified rendition of the subjective view. And some people, you know, have added lots of clauses and limitations to what would properly comprise of the subjective view. For example, they would say, we should only say that something is meaningful if, you know, every person would, if every person would find this thing to be admirable. Um, so I guess, you know, that allows us to have some kind of 
ability to say no, stealing is bad. Therefore, if you find it personally meaningful, we shouldn't say that you've led a meaningful life. And I guess I just briefly wanted to flag that I've done an episode on hedonism and this is getting very close to hedonism stuff. And so if you're interested in this kind of philosophy, go listen to my episode on hedonism. And again, um, these, these two views, the objective and the subjective view of meaning, while they are both, you know, they both have their own merits, uh, they are ignoring something fundamental to my own experience of meaning, and that is depression. And depression has a very profound and very unsettling and uh, kind of quietly silencing impact on meaning. Um, Quietly silencing. Hey, So I guess my experience of depression um, has been protracted and I'm very familiar with the kind of, you know, moves in and out of depression. Um, I guess antidepressants have had an impact on, you know, the kind of depths of my depression, but I still feel like uh, some of the some of the main imprints that depression leaves on my life are still there. And I guess the one that relates to meaning is that I, earlier I spoke about um, a gut visceral reaction to stuff. For example, when you find, when you have a kind of meaningful experience listening to music or when you are, I don't know, in some really beautiful geographic location and, you know, you're kind of awe-inspired and, oh, wow, like, you know, I understand the meaning of my life or whatever. Um, that those things kind of occur at this level that doesn't seem consciously linguistic. Uh, you know, you're not thinking about, um, you know, have I properly interpreted my circumstances or that kind of stuff. And I guess the person who is depressed, me, um, when I am depressed, that gut and visceral response to stuff is really nerfed and silenced and it's not really there and I guess this leaves me with a very puzzling question which is what happens to meaning to meaning what happens to meaning when you're depressed is it that meaning just temporarily evaporates and then when you kind of re-emerge back into whatever state you were in before you were depressed and then you start experiencing finding stuff meaningful again, is that, is that all that happens? That depression is just kind of a temporary blanket on your capacity to find meaning in things? Or is it that depression transforms the face of meaning? Um, and what I mean by that is sometimes I've been able to think about things in a radically different way when I've been depressed. And I've had this kind of brutal uh, insight into my own life and my own decisions that's been, you know, driven by, I guess, a lot of self-loathing and resentment, but it's been extremely honest. And I guess, I guess it's helped me (laughs) realize, 
you know, that some of the things, some of my habits, for example, not releasing a podcast for two and a half months because I've been depressed is actually really destructive. Um, and that it really kind of incapacitates my ability to experience meaning and to, to feel like I'm living a meaningful life. And so there's a temporal, I guess, a time-based question here. Um, is meaning something that is experienced in the moment? Is meaning something that is experienced in retrospect? Or is meaning something that is experienced when we have kind of set some goals and then realized those goals? Um, and look, maybe it's a kind of combination of all three. Uh, I tend to be pretty poor at drawing meaning from like planning ahead and then doing things. I don't really find that to be, you know, very stimulating or whatever. Um, but I guess when I'm depressed and I try and do things that I previously enjoyed, like listening to music or exercising or playing guitar or socializing, um, there is a kind of baseline level of, I guess, response to uh, my circumstances that I can't seem to overcome. Um, And it almost feels like there is a barometer for my ability to experience, to find, to feel like I'm having meaningful experiences that is just kind of deeply wounded when I'm depressed. And, And the barometer isn't very responsive when I'm depressed. And it's really hard for me, or like probably impossible for me to, kind of feel like my life has meaning or I'm having meaningful experiences. Um, And here is a kind of paradox of this entire situation, which is that being depressed gives me a lot of perspective on what I find meaningful. Um, Because often... When I'm doing a lot of stuff that I enjoy and, you know, my well-being is pretty high, I don't realize that my well-being is high. Um, And it almost feels there's a similar kind of inability to appreciate the meaningfulness of my circumstances when my well-being is really high, um, which is very similar to the inability to appreciate the meaning of my circumstances when my well-being is extremely low, when I'm depressed. And that's that's a really uh, interesting thought. Um, and I guess I'll just leave you to sit with that because I'm not sure I have too many further thoughts on that. And I guess the final thing that I wanted to raise that I just hinted at was, uh, I guess, a question of perspective. Um, and when... When I'm depressed, I guess, and I realize that, hey, I really like socializing. Um, and it seems like, you know, a lot of the times where I feel the most free and the most kind of spirited is when I'm with people who I really care about. That then when I, you know, reemerge from a depressive slumber, I have an awareness of what brings meaning to my life. Um, but I guess it's curious that that only seems to happen, that I only really have that awareness kind of presented to me 
after kind of going through the whirlwind of uh, a depressive period. So, yeah, those are some preliminary thoughts on the relationship between depression and meaning. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, you know where to contact me, Instagram, at AlexListens. Send me some questions you have. Send me some comments. You can also email me, contact at alex.co. Um, and that's probably about all I want to say. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.